Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And this is Liz. And this month we are taking a look at the first volume of Princeless, um, which we've I've had for almost two years shows. This is what happens when we have a long docket and a monthly mm, schedule. Yes. Um, I, I picked it. I literally just picked this up randomly in a bookstore two years ago. I'm like, oh, we'll get around to that. And now we have. And now we have. So Princeless um, is, I believe at this point, it is a series of just graphic novels. It was originally a monthly comic. And this um, collects, I think, the first four or five issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing credits go to Jeremy Whitley. The art and colors by are by M. Goodwin. Uh, lettering by Jung Ha Kim. And edits by Sean G- Gaborin. Man, I should have looked at these names before we started recording. Whatever. <laughs> so professional. Yeah. That's us. Oh, absolutely. Prep work. That's... That's what I. That's our. Me, me personally, that's what I'm all about. Oh yeah. yeah. So this deals with a uh, a princess by the name of Adrian, mm-hmm. and she, boy, how do we put this? She's in a little bit of a Rapunzel situation. Her parents have stuck her in a tower, guarded by a dragon. The theory is that a brave knight or prince or some dude will slay the dragon and therefore have the right to marry her. Couple of problems with that is, the first is no one's been able to slay the dragon. Mm-hmm. The second is, Adrian herself is kind of like completely over this whole f- stupid setup. She was over it as a child and I love that it starts by her yelling at her mom about the stories she's reading and she's like, I don't ever want to be stuck in a... And it's like tower, and it's it flashes her forward, yeah. And at age sixteen, stuck in a tower, yeah. So she she was over this probably a decade before it happened to her. She was over this, yeah. So now the other thing worth noting is she's actually quite friendly with the dragon. Yes, I love her relationship with the dragon, Sparky. Uh, Sparky. Um, and eventually, yeah, she gets fed up to the point that she just goes, I'm not hanging out here and waiting anymore. So she and Sparky head out, and they, we get um, a few other things going on. We get some flashes of her father, the king, and sort of what's going on there. And she's also. Get- her father is like the worst. He is. The worst. He is the literal worst. Um, and she's got a brother. She's got a whole bunch of other sisters. So she makes the decision that she's going to go on a quest to rescue her other sisters um initially she goes back home because she one of them is theoretically young enough that she wouldn't have been put in a tower yet but she isn't able to get her she has an encounter with her brother she ends up teaming up with a blacksmith um named well, belinda so i'm giving you all the names because yep. you you wanted me to pay attention yeah to i need yeah uh, bedelia Bedelia. I'm sorry. Did I say Belinda? You Ooh, did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bedelia. You're right. I think Belinda's more of a common name. I yeah. Well, that one. that just shows you how useful your notes are. I know. I did not look <laughs> carefully. Um, Bedelia. Yeah. Bedelia, who technically is a blacksmith's daughter, but her father is a drunken dwarf, and she does all the work, and so she makes. Um, you know, some custom armor for Adrian. They have a run-in with the guards. And then they basically head off, and that's kind of it. That's pretty much where it ends, is in setting up 
the actual adventure of her going off to rescue, rescue her, sister. her sisters. And that's where this volume ends. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts? I liked it. I really like how it played with the stereotypes of um, princesses and princesses getting rescued constantly and how... Adrian was having none of that. Um, I like that she is a character of color and, you know, is not some... Actually, it even comments on the fact that one of the princes calls her a fair princess and she's like, excuse me? Fair means pale. (laughs) Yeah. She got mad at that. That was great. That being said, did you notice when her brother was looking at the photo of them, the picture of them, they forgot to do the coloring on it? So I'm like, why are they white? I'm like, who I, are these I white people? Didn't. Let me point it out to you. And then later on, they show the photo again, and it's like, nope, they did the color. Like, look oh, at that, this. Well, no, it's supposed. To, that's because it's supposed to be like all faded and sepia. No, but later on, let me show you. No, but that's a different photo. That's a different photo? Yeah, I think... No, you're right. It's the same photo. Okay. No, you're right. So, coloring inconsistencies. Yes. Yeah. It would... Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be faded. I think it's the same photo and everything. So, that was a, that was something where I was like, wait, what? And then... <laughs> yeah. But other than that, um, I like her brother, too. Devin. Um, I love Bedelia, not Belinda. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Belinda's her. very nice too, but <laughs> yes, she's not in this people. story. Yes. Um, yeah, she's funny. I like that uh, Adrian kind of teaches her, like, no, women. I love that whole, like, woman warrior that, okay. conversation, these outfits. That is the, okay, that is my favorite part of this whole book. So, I, I, gotta, I gotta paint you a picture here a little bit here, listeners. So... Um, Bedelia, like, she's been working on armor in her own spare time, and she's been designing armor for women warriors. Now, she, this is something she does in her spare time, because women aren't knights, so she just kind of does this. And she shows this stuff off to, uh, to Adrian, and it's, it's chainmail bikinis, and it's... But it is all ones that you can recognize, in terms of, yeah, it is... It is Sonya. It's it, yes. It's Red Sonya. It's Wonder Woman. It's Xena. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. And then what's the really skimpy one? Well, the, well, there's the one that's just a pair of hands and, and, it's, and, and, metal and a metal thong and a gold thong. I don't think that's anyone in particular, unless they're trying to recreate the Janet Jackson like um, Rolling Stone cover. Princess Leia, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Slave outfit? That's the closest I can think of. I don't think that one's supposed to be specific. It's just ramping it up to one more level. Uh, Now, actually, that said, as much as I do like this scene, I'm a little bit... I don't love the fact that they called out specific female heroes. I actually don't really like that. Because I, I just... Like the those characters, especially the fact that the the one that Adrian actually finds herself in is basically Wonder Woman's outfit, mm-hmm. and they kind of you know they kind of pick on that. I'm like, look, I'm not saying it's not ridiculous, but like, really, you're gonna throw stones at Wonder Woman? It's not at okay. So the way I interpreted it is not at Wonder Woman herself. It is throwing stones at the fact that she is a warrior. No. That is. 
stuck in this skimpy outfit and supposedly... But, no, I would argue that it's both because you can make the point about how ridiculous the, the outfits are because those outfits generically in any fantasy where there is a quote-unquote female warrior, it's uh. that kind of nonsense. It does not have to look that specifically like a specific hero unless you are calling out that hero and that hero's costume history. I... And I don't think that was necessary. Okay. I thought it was amusing, but... Like, I, I love the premise of the scene. And it is my favorite scene overall. That did annoy me a little bit. Because it's... It just... I don't know. Whenever, whenever a parody starts picking on specific things as opposed to tropes and genre cliches, I get a little annoyed because I'm like, and who are you exactly? Yeah, I get that. Um, but I also think that it is written for kids, so making it more specific, I mean, kids, to get it, they'll be like, oh, that's Wonder Woman's outfit. I don't think they'll recognize all of them. They might, some of them might know Xena. I, I don't know if they'll know Red Sonja. I, I doubt it. <laughs> but, but it's also a fun little nugget for parents if they're reading it with them, too. For now, is it just me, or does, like, the... The line work on the art really kind of vary from page to page. Like, in terms of how crisp it is. Because, like, I'm looking at this and, like, that's rough. Yeah. Like, that's really rough work. And then there'll be other scenes that, like, that's really solid and and. I guess. Assured. I haven't really noticed that. The the art is... the art, And it's, it's one of those things that, like, it is... Different enough that it's one of those things I would have gone, oh, did they change artists partway through? But they didn't. It's just sort of a slight inconsistency with with exact, with exact the style on the line work. Mm -hmm. Neither of which is bad, but it did throw me off every now and then. I'd go back, I'd be like, that's, that's not quite what it looked like before. I, I suppose that's my equivalent to you noticing the coloring on the picture. Yeah, I suppose. That's true. I still, that threw me. I was like, wait a second. How is, oh, that's supposed to be them, but. <laughs> um, but uh, the art is, the art is, is stylized. It's more cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the, the dragon's adorable. Sparky's adorable. Oh, he's so adorable. I want a Sparky. <laughs> there's also, you know, for something that is aimed at kids, there's some surprising darkness, like, it's made very clear that the knights and princes who have tried to rescue her up to this point, they are dead. Mm -hmm. And they have been, like, she, like she's gathering up pieces of armor to make her own makeshift things, and she picks up a glove and goes, ew, this one still has a hand in it. Mm -hmm. So, But this is actually, that's, it's not very bloody. Oh, no, 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 so no, not at all. That is the kind of stuff you could get away with. Yeah. With kids, which is great. Uh, yeah, I would like to put this in my library. Yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think I think a lot. I think a lot of your kids would would probably dig this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is it is fairly light. I think it, and and this is one of these things that like I'm gonna point out, but at the same time, I'm gonna say I realize that this is not actually a problem with it, mm -hmm. which is that I'm not sure it has much beyond the elevator pitch. You know, just sort of the elevator pitch of. Princess decides she's not going to wait to be rescued, rescues herself. Mm -hmm. Which, cool, cool pitch. Mm -hmm. And what you get is 
basically what you'd expect based off that pitch. It doesn't have... It's kind of the only string to its bow. But knowing the age that it's aimed at, I like I said, I'm not going to call that a fault in the story. I'm going to call that a possible ding against it for me as an adult who is not the target audience reading it. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, my inability to not talk about the things that bug me while acknowledging that probably not a fair criticism given what it is and who it's aimed at. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fun. It's light. It's, yeah, it's not a deeper, but most, I'd say, and again, in terms of aiming it at kids, this is your, like, this isn't necessarily, it's not your high school set. This is your, like, late elementary. That's what I would have said, Early early middle school. So you're not going to get. Fourth, fifth, sixth. You're not going to get much deeper than that. Which is okay, and I think it makes some good points and takes some digs at racism and sexism, and there's clever, there's enough cleverness and humor that I think adults will get and appreciate that it can be appreciated by a lot of different ages. Yep. Oh, you know what was one, th- one moment that did actually flat out annoy me? What's that? The bit with uh, Bedelia's father towards the end. Mm-hmm. Because in the in the process of escaping the uh, the city guards, mm-hmm. um, the blacksmith shop burns down. Well, they burn it. Down. Oh, they, well, they the bur- yes, do. the guards burn it down, trying to smoke them out. Mm-hmm. And Bedelia's father, who's a dwarf, and who we'd met briefly before, he shows up, and he's bas- he's got you know a tear in his eyes, and he decks these guards Mm -hmm. he goes after them and then which is a moment i really liked Mm -hmm. because bedelia had kind of not she didn't think too much of her dad Mm -hmm. and i really liked that moment because it's like okay maybe he doesn't know how to relate to you but he cares Mm -hmm. but then later he shows up at the king's castle and the only thing he cares about is who's going to pay for the fact that his shop burned down Mm mm-hmm like it, and I mean, he mentions his daughter dying because he thinks that is what happens. But he says, "I need to be compensated," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "You just undercut what I thought was like a really clever kind of touching moment that didn't need a further follow up." And now you've now you've gone and actually yanked that away, and I'm kind of annoyed. Yeah, I don't think that was necessary. They kind of set it up to because then it kind of sets off. Um, Adrian's mother to be like, oh, I, I'm no different than him. Like, I also am angry like he is. You could have found another way to but get yeah, her to I that realization. That. I, I don't think it was necessary to do it that way. Because, like, come on. You can, like, your cl- husband is clearly the worst. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, Adrian's father needs a redemption story. Because, again, he's clearly the worst. But it, it, <laughs> I don't. To get her mother to that realization did not require sacrificing what had been a nice tender moment no. from Bedelia's father. So yeah, it wasn't really necessary. Yeah, and I kind of like him anyway. So yeah, that I, I get what you're saying. That does kind of cheapen him. Oh, I, th- one other comment about the stuff. I like it when Bedelia says she made a um, chainmail tube top, and she's like, "How did it go?" And she's like, "Not so well. It fell down and turned into a chainmail skirt." <laughs> That was, like, another great, like, humorous moment. As someone who once had a, like, tube dress, and (laughs) my dad came over in college, and he was looking through it, and he was like, what is this? And I was like, "Uh, uh," and he's like, oh, is this a skirt? And I'm like, 
<laughs> yes. Yes, Dad. It is a skirt. You're right. He's like, it's an awfully tight skirt. I'm like, You're right. <laughs> and it is an even shorter dress. <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad listen to this podcast? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Hi, Rod. <laughs> I thought I could convince him to listen to a couple episodes. <laughs> There's a, su- a late surprise revelation for you, my friend. <laughs> He'll just shake his head and be like, oh, "Yeah, no, I dunderheaded I, daughter." <laughs> I, I can picture him doing that while while stroking the dog in his lap. <laughs> <sighs> Lizzie Lou. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, Princeless. I think we both did like it. I know I I know I was nitpicky on it as I tend to be because I'm a grumpy bugger but I, I i did enjoy it and i also think i think it's a lot of fun especially for the age group it's aimed at and and yeah even though it feels very much i i actually i almost said feels geared towards girls i actually don't want to say that even though it is written um you know female heavy i think th- there is decent action in it and a lot of the tropes that it's undercutting are tropes that male readers would be familiar with so mm-hmm. i th- i would think either gender could get a lot of enjoyment out of this i don't think it's actually and specifically targeted at one or the other it does mention through devon and like a little after story with the the prince that comes to rescue her in the beginning. Yep. That is pretty awful for boys, too, and the expectations they have. Because the father is pretty awful to her. I think, it, is it her twin, Devin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who I like, and who's like a nice boy, and you're well, like, oh. That's, that's why the father's that's awful to him, because he's he's this sweet, sensitive kid, and like, what the hell's wrong with you? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, he is the worst. He, he is the worst. <laughs> so that's, that's Princeless. So we're going to take a, uh, a quick little promotional break, and then we'll be back with feedback. We've got feedback from two episodes that we've oh got to cover. So see you in a bit. What is Council of Geeks? Well, despite the name, it's actually just one kind of pretentious guy on YouTube who rants at camera a lot and just goes on and on about things like Doctor Who and Marvel movies and Star Wars and... I meant, once the Council of Geeks podcast feed? Oh, that. Well, it kind of depends on when it is you're looking at it. What does that mean? Well, it's been a lot of things at a lot of different times. Originally, it was just longer versions of roundtable talks that uh, the guy who runs the thing used to have. It was the home of 90s Comics Retrial for a while. Oh, I liked that show. Yeah, but, you know, then he did Executioner's Song and it broke him, so he doesn't do that anymore either. Oh. There was Go Home Hollywood, You're Drunk. Winner of the Relatively Geeky Networks Award for Best New Podcast in 2017. Yep, that's the one. That's over, too. His co-host had a kid and, well, he didn't bother ever trying to find somebody else. Oh. So what is it now? Well, at the moment, it is home to see a space cowboy, where he is just going back through Cowboy Bebop and uh, taking it one episode at a time, putting his thoughts up after not having seen the thing in about 15 years. Okay. Well, what will it be after he's done with that? Stick around, and maybe you'll find out what's next. Or catch up on the old stuff. It's still there. This is a very strange promotion. Yeah, well, he's a strange guy. Alright folks, we're back. So we've got uh, we've got two episodes worth of feedback to get through. Uh, first is from uh, episode 25 where we talked about 
Witchblade Origins Volume 1. Oh my gosh, that elicited more comments than we usually have. Seven comments on this one. Uh Uh, First first one from Nathan Yu. He said, is it me or does Stitchblade just sound like Stitch with a knife? Um, Nothing else to say. Sorry, you had to read that uh, thing. Okay, bye. (laughs) Yeah, I was sorry too. (laughs) I wasn't sorry. I got great entertainment out of that. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Uh, Cisco commented saying, a 90s comics retrial crossover. Worth it. So yeah, for folks who don't know, that was that was the main that used to be the main feature on the Council of Geeks podcast feed was '90s comics retrial, which I I have kind of shelved for a while. But yeah, this was a little bit like mm-hmm. uh, the two bleeding over a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Daly said uh, the series got much better much later when Ron Mars took over writing because he's a real writer and understands things like character motivation and character <laughs> and plot and, you know. What uh, is that like? <laughs> I know. I don't have anything to say about Michael Turner's art. He died about 10 years ago before this style would have been repudiated by a more sensitive comic book fan culture. Actually, I'm sure the comic skaters freaking love this type of art and storytelling. Oh. God, Ryan, why'd you have to even like bring those? People I have into to this? say, like, she might have been our stupidest protagonist, and that's saying something because we've read a lot of books with middle school girls. Like, <laughs> yes, but at least they have the excuse of being middle school girls. girls. Yeah, she is. Who, she who was did, the, who made some pretty dumb decisions. She was a theoretical adult. Yeah, she was very dumb. Do you want to take mm-hmm. the next one? And that's not knocking all middle school girls. I mean, some of them have been great, but, like, they make some faulty decisions sometimes. So I'm on... You're on Brian Linton. Brandon Linton. Okay. I avoided Witchblade and most other image and image-related comics back in the day. Thank you for confirming the wisdom of my decision. You're welcome. <laughs> Seriously, though, I am actually glad to hear that the series improved later on because I agree that Witchblade has an interesting concept with some potential, which it does. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about Princeless next month. <gasps> well, two months. Two, yeah, in <laughs> two months. Yeah. yeah, because that's a series from which I have more familiarity, with which I have more familiarity. I, I've actually read a couple of the collected editions before. I'll have to look back through the earlier episodes, but that may be a tough girl first for me. Yay! Ooh. So, hope you like it. Yep, it is It is nice when we get to talk about stuff that people actually know, because I think it's actually not uncommon for us to end up talking about stuff that people are like, oh, I don't know that at all. Um, so, next up from Clinton Robison. Oh, poor Liz. I think reading Witchblade <laughs> may have made her ill. It did, Nathaniel. It made me so ill. <laughs> I know, I know. I had to nurse you back to health. Um, well, like, sure. like, 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 <laughs> like Scorpio. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you hurt? Do you need to be nursed tenderly back to health? Uh, <laughs> I noticed there wasn't much mention of Witchblade in other media. Yeah, that's, I, I knew the show existed. I never watched it. I haven't seen it either. Uh, were you aware there was a short, a short-lived live-action series? Yes, we did know. As well as an anime series. I had forgotten that there was an anime. 
I didn't know that one, I didn't think. if I did know at some point, but I'd forgotten. If Liz is more interested in the Witchblade as a weapon or artifact, I suggest checking out the live action, definitely much less in the way of clothes ripping. <laughs> the anime series explores a much different route, uh, showcasing just how far a single mother will go to provide for and protect her daughter. However, it pushes the scantily clad aspects to the extreme oh levels. One Google image search will tell you all you need to know. Uh, not safe for work, obviously. Okay, you know what? I need to hang on. Let's let's see if I can get. Pretty sure I have safe search off. So, Witchblade anime. Oh my God! Oh dear! Oh, there is some butt. Oh dear! Like you get it, and it is butt, 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 butt. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Yeah, actually. Da dang. Okay, yeah. Wow. Ah. Um, yeah, that yeah, that that gives the actual comic a run for its money. Holy cow. Impressive. My god, Clinton, clear your search history. Oh <laughs> my god. Uh next up, uh it's Tim Price. Hey there, Tim. I never bought Witchblade, and now I don't have any <laughs> desire to. Much appreciated. You're welcome, audience. We consider it a public service <laughs> to have we let you all know. You. How awful it was. <laughs> uh, he continues, okay, weird coincidence. Two days ago, I read the 2002 Tigra miniseries on Marvel Unlimited with Ike, with... I'm doing well getting with these, art by Mike uh, Diodato and written by Christina Z. I had no idea that she was a quote writer on Witchblade as well. That puts a whole different spin on this version of Tigra. Mystic Amulet changes beautiful women's clothes into a bikini. Sheesh. Hope you feel better, Liz. <laughs> and further, this story didn't make you worse. Until next time, uh, my coffers, uh, punchers. <laughs> oh, yes. And finally, from Sphinx Magoo, we have quick note about Trevor from The Good Places copy of Witchblade. Pretty sure he went all in uh, with a lenticular cover with embossed elements so it would poke into the other books in his collection. Plus, he calls it his Braille edition because he's a perv. Oh, Trevor. Oh, world's best dirtbag. Uh-huh. All right. I think you've got the, the comments from the next one up. Yes, let me turn my phone back on, and there we go, so... This was episode 26, I think I forgot to renumber it, so... Oh, it is okay. It says 25, it was 26, because I know numbers. <laughs> so this is where we talked about our kind of sum up for female characters in 2018 entertainment. So from Craig McDonald's, quick thoughts. I actually like Sabrina on Chilling Adventures. Does she make dumb mistakes? Yes, but that's where a lot of the fun lies and where most of the adventure starts. Michelle Gomez is awesome. Yes, she definitely is. You haven't seen Sabrina I haven't still. seen her, but she was awesome on Doctor Who. Yeah, she's quite good on this. Um, and again, I, as I was saying, I don't mind Sabrina as much as most people do. The reason I commented on it is, like, everyone else I've talked to about the show is, like, Sabrina herself is the worst. So I'm kind of with you. I, I wouldn't say I like her necessarily, but I don't actively hate her. 
Um, Haunting of Hill House was great, and I can say I have now finished it, so I can, I, without giving too many spoilers, I can chime in on a couple more of the characters. Oh my goodness, this just, my phone just went, okay, here we go. Nell and Theodora were my favorite characters, but were completely different in personality. Yes, yes, they were. They were all really great, distinctive characters, the siblings, I gotta say. And Nell, yes, it, I, now that I'm finished the series, I can say that Nell is probably my favorite ghost in any form of media ever. Um, just very layered. And that's not as big a spoiler as it sounds like because by the end of episode one, you know that. Yeah, so. yeah. are you going to leave that one in? I think you can. I'll leave, like I said, episode one of the series. Yeah. So I, I'll leave that. Yeah, very layered, um, terrifying, terrified, um, yeah, just great. Um, the Good Place is my favorite character, favorite show right now, with Eleanor Shellstrop being my favorite character. Glad you like it. Oh, Eleanor. Speaking of which, we, we've been seeing online, our friends have been like, which character from The Good Place are you? And now it's like overtaking, like, which Harry Potter or Hogwarts house are you in? <laughs> and so, like, I've decided I'm a Cheetanor. Because um, mainly Cheaty. Again, if I had to be with one character, it would be with Cheaty. But go with one character. I'd also be with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we saw how surprisingly ripped he was. Oh, yes. Yeah, Eleanor, good good choice there. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love The Good Place. I was rather disappointed that um, Kristen Bell didn't win the Golden Globe. I was very sad about that. Um, but well, you were also bitter over who did win, but... I, I watched like half an episode of Miss Maisel and didn't like it. And I'm sure I'm sure someone out there is like, but it's the best and maybe I'll give it another try. But it, it wasn't for me at the time. Um, Doctor Who has been pretty dull in terms of stories, but Jodie Whittaker's performance has been keeping it fun. She's really the only reason I watch the show at this point. Fingers crossed the stories get better, given that they have so much time to look back at the mistakes of Series 11 and make some improvements. So you probably should comment on that, because I have not seen Jodie Whittaker. I've only seen yeah. Doctor Who here and there. You Well, so far you've only seen Eccleston and Tennant. Yes. Because um, we're working our way forward. Yeah, Jody Whitaker did pretty well. I, it's funny, as I'm fine, you have to hunt for them, but as I find some of the more well reasoned criticisms of Series 11, as opposed to the just venom mm -hmm. that gets thrown around in some corners, um, I saw somebody point out that part of what's throwing off that season and like there, there are just some flat out weak stories i will grant that um but in addition to that like the dynamic between the doctor and the companions is a little bit off because it's not entirely clear why she is traveling with them other than well the doctor always has companions like mm. you can break down why the doctor especially in modern who why the doctor is traveling with each of these people mm. and it's not really as clear with Jodie Whittaker and these three people other than, well, they were the people she started having adventures with. Mm. And I, I, that would be frustrating. and like, that's a dynamic that's off a little bit. I do think there was still some good in series 11 and there were actually some episodes that were very good. I really loved it takes you away and the demons of the Punjab and Kerblam. 
And also the New Year's special uh, resolution was quite good as well. So, and actually that made me feel good because that was better than the actual finale for series 11. So <laughs> that, that left me in a better place. I'm going to get us back on track. Go for it, you go for it. going to make this a doctor. No, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Uh-huh, sure you are. We'll talk um, later. The Shira-Catra relationship was great, especially in the Princess Prom episode. I love that prom. That was a good episode. I still love Mermista. I just want to shout out to her because and her... Her sarcasm and attitude. I love them all, though. It was just such a great <coughs> show. So everything to like about that. Catra oh. in a talk. And we did, we realized that we forgot a bunch of things to mention, and I forgot most of them again, but we had forgotten to mention, <coughs> excuse me, um, Westworld. Oh, God, yes. Also known as Mave World. Um, <laughs> Just so you know, Maeve is my favorite character, and Maeve is the most important character, and therefore it is Maeve World. And Maeve, in Maeve World, was awesome this year. Maeve, very, very awesome. Maeve was great. Major butt. And uh, Dolores was a heck of a lot better oh, in season so two than she better. was in season one. Charlotte was pretty terrifying and awesome. That was Tessa Thompson's character. Yeah. Yes. Yep, she was we good. We love us some Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Also, like, love her in Ragnarok, which I don't know if we mentioned her in Ragnarok, but she was also great in that. Well, that would have been 2017. So. Oh, that was 2017. I don't care. I <laughs> still love Tessa Thompson, whatever year she's in. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was one of the major oversights that we meant to mention and forgot. And we'll, we probably forgot some other Oh, things. we definitely did. In terms of novels, Circe by Madeline Miller was great. One of the best books I've read in years. I do not know that, but maybe I will look into it. I honestly can't think of any female characters in comic books this year that stood out to me. I think the last one I really liked was Casey Brink in Doom Patrol, but given the lateness cancellation of that book i can't remember if we had more than one or two issues of it in 2018 i don't know anything about doom Patrol. i know a little bit about it like that some of the folks within this podcasting sphere i'll take the next comment oh, um got it pulled up. Awesome. So some of the they have like a doom patrol podcast and actually doom patrol is getting a show on the on the dc comics streaming app thing but yeah i don't know too much about them either uh, next up, we had a comment from Siskoid. Nice little tour of female characters in media this year. Thanks, guys. This year also saw the second half of a female-led Star Trek series, for the record. Yes, I haven't seen Discovery yet. Um, Spider-Gwen is badass in Spider-Verse. Yes, I don't think we had seen that. We hadn't we seen recorded. it yet when oh, we recorded. Oh, we loved some Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen and... was great. Um... Oh, I can't. Uh, you can't say. The I can't. Thing I that can't mention like some of the other verse. female characters that I really can we love. Say, we can spoilers. mention. I like Aunt May. Aunt May, we can mention. Can we say it's Lily Tomlin's voice? Is yes. Her. Yeah, I, I. Lily Tomlin is always great. There's one other female character who I really loved in Spider Verse that I'm not gonna say who it was because it is a bit of a spoiler. Um, as, and knowing that, like, not as many people saw that movie in the theater as should have, and I guess a lot of people are going to end up waiting for streaming, but there's another who was phenomenal. Yes. Um, as, uh, Siskoi goes on, as are Mara and Atlanta and Aquaman. I did not see Aquaman, so if you I did, Aquaman was that. fun. It wasn't great, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Incredibles 2 was mostly about how Elastigirl is awesome. It was. It wasn't a great movie, but, um... 
they, they. I just love it's Holly Hunter that voices her, right? It is. I just love her voice. And so. she, they, they came up with some good um, uses of her powers and in, in demonstrating why that's a cool power. I always like that in general when they can take a power that just sounds kind of eh and show how awesome it is. A bit like with Domino and Deadpool too. Yeah. Um, um, I did not see that one, so I cannot cover. Yeah, I know. Ant-Man and the Wasp was decidedly about the latter. Yep. Yep, it was. I mean, it really was focused on her and her um, family story. and. I, I actually, I spoke with uh, with Ryan Daly um, just a couple of days ago, and he pointed out how actually that story could have been told without Ant-Man at all, <laughs> and almost nothing changes. Uh, yeah, and you would have taken out some of the extraneous... Villains. BS. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ocean's 8 wasn't the only female-led heist movie this year. Widows was the better picture. Yeah, I didn't catch Widows. It didn't come out around me. I wanted to see that. I might need to look into that as well. Uh, Annihilation, Pacific Rim Uprising, Tomb Raider, The Spy Who Dumped Me, Assassination Nation, Halloween, Bad Times at the El Royale, A Simple Favor, all featured good female genre action. Um, shout out to 8th Grade as well. Oh, I did hear really good things about 8th Grade. I think I've heard of it. I, we, I think we talked about at some point seeing Bad Times at the El Royale because I looked at the cast and was like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's on our to-do list. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, seeing Mary Poppins Returns tomorrow, Bumblebee and The Favorite at some point too. Sadly, movies about badass female heroes didn't do... Um, didn't all do as well as I would like. Sparrow, Peppermint, the new girl with the dragon tattoo seemed to be non-starters. Well, yeah, Given but... Given that I haven't heard of the first two, that seems to be <laughs> true. Oh, Peppermint was the one with, um... Oh, Jennifer Garner. Remember we saw oh. the trailer ahead of, um... I forgot. Of I Happy like... Time Murders. Oh, uh, that's too bad, because I like me some Jennifer Garner. Yeah, it was supposedly not a good movie. But see, here's what I say about that, Siskoid. I don't think it's that much of a shame that some of them struck out, because we had enough of them that some of them could strike out, and it doesn't sink everything. That, Mm -hmm. to me, is a very good thing. Yes. All right, I can take the next one. So, Tim Price. That was a good roundup of the 2018 female characters. Some quick takes. Ant-Man and the Wasp. First Marvel movie my daughters wanted to see. Interesting. They did see Avengers Infinity War first since their friends recommended it, but they were more excited to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp from trailers, which I was all too happy to oblige. And honestly, it's a fun movie. I think for kids, it's a good, like, starter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I stand by my stance that Marvel has not actually made a flat-out bad movie, but within the range of Marvel movies, that's, that's low tier. For me, yeah. that movie. I would say it's better than some of the Thor movies, though. It's better than the second one, definitely. Yeah. Oh, the second Thor movie. <laughs> um, Incredibles 2. I, I probably shouldn't complain about it that much because I slept through a big chunk of it. But like, I'm for someone sure. who didn't even see the whole thing, you complain about that movie a lot. I I did a good job napping through that one. I don't. I, no one has been like, no, you should have stayed awake. Everyone's like, no, that was that was the right choice. If there was one you were like. gonna sleep through, that that was the one. Yes, Incredibles two. Not sure if my girls or I were more excited to see this one. Jenny's statement: Is it bad? I like this better than the live action superhero films. My answer: No, it is not. Um, agree that Elastic Girl was kicking all the butt. She was. Yay. She-Ra. Only started watching recently and haven't finished it, but loves so much. Oh, 
I might have to go rewatch it soon. <laughs> um, that that might be a, a go to uh, like to revisit for a feel good. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah, it's fun. All of the characters are so good. Personally, enjoying a trap in Trapped a bunch. She reminds me of uh, Peridot. How do you say that? I've I've always said Peridot, but Par I do, I don't know if that's correct. Yes, the the gemstone is what we're talking about. We really know our gemstones. Yeah. From Steven Universe. What can I say? I like smart nerds. Fair. Well, the, no wonder you comment so regularly <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. Black Panther, Okoye, Okoye. Oh, Okoye stole my heart from her first scene with T'Challa, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. But like you two said, there are so many great women in that movie. It's so nice to have a movie, a superhero movie, where you can be, where several people, like even you can have four different favorite female characters and have them. Yeah. And, and it's not even a movie of, with a f female lead, strictly speaking. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. But they're just there, and they're awesome. Well, they're more than just there. <laughs> I'm not, no, but I'm like I'm saying the those types no, of I parts would have been played by men in most other circumstances. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Speaking of Steven Universe, do you follow that show? Its new episodes have been too few and far between, but my girls got me hooked, and it has no shortage of great female characters. Uh, this year had the big reveal of the series and a wedding. Um, I guess we could say they're spoiler. Ruby and Sapphire, which made me cry. Seriously, it was beautiful. Happy New Year's, my punchers. See you in 2019. So I have seen like one or two episodes a couple of years ago of Steven Universe. I liked it. A friend introduced me to it. Um, I keep forgetting to watch more of it. I do like it. So I've, I've seen bits and pieces, but like it, it, it's on the shelf with a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm like, I'm sure I'll like when I get around to it. That, Adventure Time, Avatar The Last Airbender, like all this stuff I'm sure I will like if and when I ever get around to watching it. Yeah, I want to get for like animated <laughs> stuff. I want that, I get to that, and Gravity Falls. That's another one I haven't seen yet. Yeah. No. You want to take this next one? Sure. Brian Linton commented, Great year-end roundup episode. Since you mentioned Anne Hathaway, I have to say that the Princess Diaries movies have been my daughter's favorite movies for several years now. Oh, I like them too. They're like, whenever they're on TV, I'm just like, yeah, it's Princess Diaries. Though they may have been displaced this year by Teen Titans Go to the Movies. She's a fan of Raven, which is no surprise, given that she's a fairly serious and intense young woman herself. Yeah, I, I didn't mention Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I had a lot of fun with that. My daughter liked it a lot. Um, she had a lot of fun with that. And Raven, like, it, it's funny because they make an, a running joke out of the fact that the team forgets how overpowered Raven is. And they're like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? She just looks at them and goes, portal? Oh yeah, portal. She just summons a portal and it sucks up whatever the problem is. <laughs> nice. I, I will eventually get around to watching that movie too. Well, I bought it now because because my daughter wanted it so much. So nice. I now own it. Uh, my daughter also has given a ringing endorsement to Mary Poppy. Mary, my God. To Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins Returns, returns. <laughs> uh, which she has already seen twice in the theater. First with her grandparents and then with a friend. My wife and I will be seeing it with her for the first time this weekend. I can't speak to the movie itself yet, but this is the first time my daughter has ever gone to see a movie multiple times in the theater. Aww! That's always fun when they yeah. really like it. And I heard that was quite good from my colleagues. So what happened is um, 
I was in the middle school, like, the day before break, and we kind of had, like, parties and stuff. But the elementary school um, went to see Mary Poppins Returns as a whole school, and um, my colleagues were quite happy. The kids were quite happy. I've heard it's quite good, and I really enjoy Emily Blunt, so yep. I'm sure I will eventually see it. Uh, and finally, um, Brian said, for myself, I really enjoyed Mara's portrayal in the new Aquaman film. In particular, I like that Arthur was following her lead for most of the movie. Yeah, that actually is worth mentioning. Not only is she like, does he have to follow her lead because she knows what's going on and he doesn't, but they don't even make an in-passing gag about that, like that he's following a woman. It's literally never questioned or brought up. That's nice. so I think that's actually kind of worth noting because that again, like 10, maybe even five years ago, there would have been some offhanded gag about some that. Snarky thing yeah, like but it, there isn't. And yeah, no, props to that. Again, I will eventually get to see that. I I am not I am not really a Jason Momoa fan. I don't actively dislike him, but like I I don't quite get the fuss, so I didn't quite see that one and I don't really know much about the character of Aquaman. He was okay in Justice League, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I love this character, I need to see this movie, so. Yeah, I mean, it's not one, well, I mean, unless you're a massive Aquaman fan, it's not one I'd say most people have to rush out and see, but it's fun. You won't want your time or your money back. Um, So we'll wrap it up there, folks. Uh, This is probably going to end up being a long episode because of all the feedback we had to get through, but thanks so much um, for tuning in. So next month, We're going to be doing what actually in an odd way turned out to almost be um, a counterpoint to Princeless because it is is also dealing with fantasy tropes in a medieval setting, but in a decidedly um, not aimed at the same demographic and very different in tone. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So next month, we'll be talking about Rat Queens, Volume 1. So we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcast and Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye.